Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amel and Chad with your breakfast toast. Let the show begin. 10 a.m. here on a Friday. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson along with Amo Calamino. Man, Blog Talk Radio didn't want to let me into my own show this morning. Is that a bad sign? I was worried you were going to try to do an unprofessional broadcast, but you you recovered. Uh, Well, you know, if I'm ever down, I'm sure you could take the reins, right? I mean, I might Uh, not get my show back. You know, I mean, you, you don't want to teach me anything, so... Oh, yeah, you know, I need to you get keep it all to yourself. It's job security. Well, you know, you got to protect yourself in this world that we live in. That's right. Be very, very careful. Um, speaking of careful, uh, it is important to know uh, just how much your balls are inflated before playing a football game. Very important to know. Dude, you got a call from the office, of- the NFL office yesterday. How how are your balls? Did they weigh them? Yeah, oh, man, that was that was funny, man. Sorry, I couldn't get back to you on that. It was a, <laughs> it was a very it was a very busy day, but I couldn't get back to your ball call. But while we're on balls, it seems uh, some balls were sagging, and then another guy's got a problem touching his balls too much. It's all about balls. In the NFL right now. You ever think you'd be uh, sitting around thinking, talking about balls this much? Well, it is the NFL, a lot of testosterone, so it would uh, make sense that balls would work their way into the conversation. I had no idea it would be this much of a side story as we approach Super Bowl. What number is this, Amo? Oh, 49. Super Bowl are we heading into? 49, 49. buddy. 49. Super We're Bowl old. 49 will, will forever be remembered as the uh, game all about balls. And That's right. uh, it, there's nothing we could do about that. There are odds, there are props in the uh, sports book as to whether or not Marshawn Lynch will grab his junk if he scores a touchdown <laughs> in this game. God help us all. Um, these are actual prop bets that are going down um, at the uh, oh, sports man. So, oh, man. Hey, it's what we're looking at here. My friend. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Tom Brady. Is he believable? What is what is the New England Patriots? Uh, legacy going forward. Uh, we will talk about uh, Marshawn Lynch and his new fine. Is this something we should be worried about? Should we be making a big deal about this? We'll talk about that. We'll touch on some college football recruiting and uh, and some other things as we move along here through the next hour. We're going to touch on everything Friday. except we will not be touching any balls during this show. Yeah, um, hopefully we're, we're out of that. Okay, guys. Going on here. Yeah, anybody out there oh, listening? Oh. It's not us. <laughs> Let's jump on the big deal here, uh, and that is the the Deflate Gate, whatever you want to call it. It's the big news. Everyone wants to talk about it, and uh, we did have a press conference yesterday put on by Tom Brady. I'm just going to ask you right out front, Emil. Do you believe Tom Brady? Was he a believable no. individual no. standing in front of those cameras yesterday? Mm, no. No. Not for me. I mean, uh, I, 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 I didn't talk to you about this. Maybe you totally believe. I, I don't buy a word of it. I mean, he touches the ball every play. I mean, come on. These guys, that's his That's his livelihood. That'd be like you going to your heart surgeon and him saying, you know, he didn't. He, he used the scalpel at the, the, to do knee surgery. I didn't know. You know, I mean, that's his livelihood. Come on. Yeah, it's uh, it's the only aspect of Tom Brady's life, or at least having to do with this game, that he would ever be that vague and not and non-detailed about uh, anyone who's been around Tom Brady or who's read the story of Tom Brady or has taken a moment to know about Tom Brady would know that he details everything, he plans everything. Uh, he did not get this far in this game by not knowing every minute detail and something uh, as important as the football. Um, would not go unnoticed. I can guarantee you can grab a ball and let you, and he'll know instantly what the deal is. And he's even made mention of uh, what p- 
particular PSI he he likes the football at. Well, they're actually one of the uh, teams that, that inflate to the least allowed normally, to, which is like twelve and a half, I guess, pounds per mm-hmm. square inch. That they, 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 he likes he likes a soft ball. <laughs> okay. Hey, that was. I, I mean, the re- <laughs> listen, dude. The references on this thing are uh, just it's, oh, it, it's a it's a pun punapornia. Uh, with this whole ball thing, and we're just going to have to deal with it through at least next It's Sunday. hard to actually have a serious sure. conversation without making – well, I mean, I'm a 15-year-old to begin with – without making myself laugh. I mean, every time oh, I say something. Listen, Amo, man, I don't think any group of footballs will be squeezed any more than the ones that are going to be used in Super Bowl 49. You will never see balls squeezed like you will see them squeezed. Uh, before the kickoff of uh, Super Bowl 49, we have the New England Patriots to thank for that. Ironically enough, man, this thing became an issue when Tom Brady threw an interception. He threw well, finally yeah, threw because the, ball well, the other team would have no reason to touch the ball. I mean, people. I mean, my mom actually was asking the question, she, and it was a legitimate question. She had read a post of mine, and she put, "Well, don't, don't both teams use the same ball? In other words, well, the Colts got to enjoy whatever she didn't understand the perceived benefit, but." I said, well, no, that's what most, not most, but a lot of fans or people who haven't played don't understand is that each team's offense, you know, uses their own ball, which is why in college football you'll see them stamped with the school insignia. You know, Miami, it'll have a U. The SC will have an SC because that's their game balls. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah, I, I learned some things in this whole ball conflict. Um, I didn't was not aware that both teams get – their own footballs to use in a game. Did not realize it. You knew well, that from college. Teams. You guys did it in college, didn't you? I didn't pay any attention to that crap. Okay, no, fair enough. You're, you were a defensive player. They wanted player. to throw me the ball. Fine. I did yeah, you not didn't know care about it. You were like, hey, I'll take any ball that comes my way. I'm a, I'm a corner. I'm not a receiver. Yeah, throw, when it comes my way, I catch here. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm already covering the hell out of this guy. If you think you can get the ball through me to him, then that's fine. I'll have a chance to put my hands on one. But I thought – here is my well, here's my thought, and I, I believe this is probably a thought of, of most folks out there, is that there were balls issued to for a game, and that it would it's used by both teams. Here's twelve balls or whatever, ten balls, however many balls, and and both teams use the balls for the game. I did not realize that there are balls um, specifically assigned to one team, and then balls specifically assigned to the other team. Were you aware of that? That I was. Let me tell you what I did learn, though, that, you know, a little bit beyond what you did. I mean, that part I understood only because I realized it happened in college and it made me cognizant of it in the NFL, saying, oh, well, you know, I, when I'm watching a college game, I see ND stamped on a ball, and then when USC has it, I see SC. So I realized that a few years ago. But here's what I didn't realize. I assumed each team gave the referees their footballs, and I understand that guys like tackier grips and whatnot – uh, sort of like baseball, you'll see a pitcher throw the ball back for you guys out there who aren't baseball fans and girls. And sometimes the pitcher gets a brand new ball and tosses it back. He doesn't like the laces when they're made. Sometimes the, the laces will be a little higher on one ball than another. It allows him to, you know, spin a curveball better. Okay, so football, they'll hand their ball over to the referee, the set of them. I thought the referees controlled it from that point. I had no idea that, you know, these were not kept until game time and then handed over to the, the sideline guys. I figured... Two and a half hours before a game, why would you hand the ball, which is the most important thing in a game of football, back to, to the team? Because mm-hmm. 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 you know they have kicking balls, right? You do realize that. Um, yes, I do know that. The NFL has a, people out there, the, the, the ball the kicker uses, while it may be the same size and everything it's not inflated the same i don't know i think it's harder to be honest with you because i think if it was slightly softer they could they could make the ball compress and go even further so i think it's actually harder if i'm not mistaken but anyway there's kicking balls and everything else so i mean it's it's a complex process so you would think the referees would control that no mm. Yeah, listen, uh, this is going to be another thing in the NFL in which there's a ton of unraveling that needs to be done. There'll be a bunch of talk about it. There'll be investigations. There'll be denials. Uh, there'll be incompetence. And then uh, we're going to have to bring in our guy, right? Who's our guy that does all the reports? We're Louis Free. Louis Free is going to come in and he do comes a 475-page report yeah. on, a, on, a, on the saggy balls. Uh, you watch. And that's going to be the biggest BS. 
uh, that you've ever seen. That this guy is just going to type up another novel about deflated footballs, and that's just when I'm going to throw my hands up. Can I say something though deal. about? I mean, uh, and you and I have both kind of I know in social media made light of this in some ways, shape or form. But and I, and I usually know the way you think, so I'm. I have a feeling you'll disagree with me, but here's why I do think this is sort of a bigger deal. I mean, I know you come at it from a player's point of view. I'm not silly in that I think the ball affected that game, okay? I mean, it was 45-7. to 7. If they played with golf balls, the Patriots would have won the game. Mm-hmm. The problem I have is, obviously, the Patriots didn't feel comfortable enough just playing, throwing their football out on the field in a generic sense and saying, we're better than you. They want to take every advantage, and it's not just, I mean, if it was just one time, you'd say, okay, hey, it happens, big deal. You know, pitcher rubs a baseball up. But just the fact that they tried it, whether it impacted it or not, look at it like this. If you cork your bat, strike out, and then break the bat over your knee, and the cork falls out, they don't say, well, you know what, it didn't have any impact on the play because you struck out. They suspend you because you were trying right. to impact the play. And I guess right. that's True. that's my point. I mean, people are saying, you know, we're having some fun with it. First, they, they, they taped the Rams' practices before the Super Bowl. They were told not to. Went on mm-hmm. six years later. They were told by the league, no taping other teams' sidelines to get an advantage. They did it anyway. Now, I read a story yesterday, and this is why I love Robert Kraft. They needed to be told that. But. Well, but Robert Kraft is a great owner because the story said seven years ago when that happened, he approached Belichick and said to him, Bill, how much did taping the sidelines of the other team help us on a scale of 1 to 100? Belichick shrugged his shoulders and said, one. And Kraft looked him square in the eye, and he said, well, then you're a schmuck. And <laughs> that's nice. Jewish for basically you're an ass. Okay? Yeah, so, what is the point of doing it? So what's the point if it helped you, one? I mean, in other words, this guy is so insecure. I mean, I said to you yesterday in one of your posts, it would be like me. I like to play Texas Hold'em. I go play Phil Ivey, the greatest Texas Hold'em player in the world probably. And then I find out, on top of the fact he's going to beat me anyway, he's going to mark the cards just to make sure I don't win. I mean, come on. Right, right. Um, so you'd have to wonder why this is done. Do you believe that uh, Bill Belichick knew nothing about this? No. Bill Belichick knows possible? if a guy puts his jock on the wrong way. Bill Belichick knows if your spikes aren't fitting you the right way. I mean, Bill, I mean, he controls everything. You think we're giving, you think we're giving him too much credit in that area? No, in that organization, football-wise, this is a guy who doesn't let his players talk to the media without running it by him. No, this, this guy knows. Mm-hmm. He knows what's going on. I mean, listen, I'm sure it wasn't like, hey, we're going to deflate the footballs, but I'm sure Brady says, hey, Bill, you know, maybe two years ago, cold weather, I really like the ball to be a little bit softer. I can get a better grip. You know, and, and, and all of a sudden, Mr. Equipment Guy, because this goes back, by the way, to a game they played earlier in the year. The Colts had mentioned that they thought the Patriot football was softer. And I guess they had said something to the NFL. Um, and I, I, I apparently the Ravens might have said something the, the game before that. I mean, listen, again, they look for any advantage. And I understand that's part of sports. You know, I mean, remember, who was the guy, Lester Hayes years ago, the guy who put stick them all over his hands? before they made it illegal, yeah. the corner. That was our man. Lester. That's the nature of guys, testosterone, okay? You start competing, you look for an edge. I get that. But you can't start. You think, it's, an, a, you think it's a psychological edge for them yes, to do something Yes, I like think that. so deep Why? down. I think, mm-hmm. I, I think Tom Brady could throw the football if it had an extra pound per square inch in it. Sure. I don't think that – again, I'm not sure the impact is – actually something that affected the outcomes of any games. I don't think it does, other than the psychology of it. I think there's a certain psychology of it that if he feels it is that way, it makes it easier, so in a way it impacts it psychologically. And and they go and they do this stuff, and they thumb their nose at the league, and I think that's the problem I have. The integrity of your sport becomes in question, because if this isn't a big deal, well then, who knows what else they get away with? I mean, Troy Aikman said it yesterday in an interview. He said, listen, this is bigger than Bounty Gate with the Saints. And he said, because you're looking for a competitive advantage. He said, the Saints, that's said in every locker room. He said, whether it's right or wrong, I've been in locker rooms my whole life. You know, people talk about taking guys out. He goes, and, mm-hmm. and there's no proof they ever took anyone out, really, other than they talked about it. He said, mm-hmm. this is a competitive advantage issue, and, and they keep doing it. It's, again, if it was a first-time offense, you'd say, okay, guys, that was cute. You know, inflate the mm-hmm. balls the way they're supposed to be inflated. But this is, a, you know, basically a third time 
in, in this guy's tenure. And uh, he's a great coach, and it's a real shame, in my opinion, that he's tarnishing, in a way, the legacy of his team and his players because they were good enough without this crap. They really were. Yeah, but uh, now we have to consider that are they good enough uh, like that because they come into a game feeling like they have a psychological edge, and I and and I do I do really feel like that's what it is for them. Uh, so you can do something as uh, minuscule as letting uh, some air pressure out, um, but you know, and they don't think anyone's going to pay any attention to that. And lo, lo and behold, it becomes this big old huge deal. Well, when you played in the Orange Bowl, let me ask you something. When you guys came on the field. I'm sure you wouldn't have been cool that if they said, ah, we're not going to blow the smoke anymore. Because, right, that was like a psychological edge. You guys felt like, hey, we're coming through that smoke, right? I mean, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, playing in front of your home crowd and knowing that you've won 50-something straight there does indeed give you an edge. Right. But at this point, though, Amos, should the fact that you're a three-time Super Bowl winner, you're a constant division winner, you're a constant semifinal um, participant, should that not be now what gives you the edge and not uh, a cup of, you know a, a pound and a half removed from a football? When, yes. when do we move on to that? Yes, I mean that that is should that should be what gives you the edge, and that's why to me this is bigger. I mean I'm like having a lot of fun with it. I think it's a funny. I think what they're doing is funny, and it's great for our show because we get to make some jokes. And but I mean I do think it's bigger than a lot of people or some people are making on. I mean I'm not saying we need full-blown press conferences, but I think the NFL needs to investigate it, and I think if they find out that they intentionally tampered with the game ball, that they need to lose draft picks. This is If, if the Saints lost draft picks because they said, we want to hurt uh, Joe Blow over there, then these guys damn well better lose draft picks, or else the, the integrity of the sport, this is going to become wrestling. That, I mean, I guess that was the, what I was alluding to all week on social media. I feel like when mm-hmm. you and I were kids, Roddy Roddy Piper... Hey Chad, mm-hmm. sit down here, and then yeah. I go. I walk off he's the stage. I get a folding chair. Yeah, and I hit you <laughs> with the folding yeah. chair. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved my boy Roddy Roddy Piper. I mean, that's uh, what it, feel, it feels like. Pro on the wrestling stud show when you can make a Roddy Roddy Piper. Exactly. I really appreciate you doing that. You today. love that, don't you? All right. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. If you can get uh, Roddy Roddy Piper in there, um, you know, if you could, you know, all of the, all the little childhood. Heroes, if you can if you can somehow work them into the Gridiron Stud Show, then you know I'm I'm. Well, wait. Let's backtrack. Let me have some fun with the NFL in general before we go to our break. We start off. um, We get constant commercials now with actors pretending they can't speak and cry over domestic violence. And again, I'm not making fun of domestic violence. I'm making fun of the fact that they think that commercial is going to get a wife beater or a girlfriend beater to stop doing it. Okay. We move on. We go through the season. We get all kinds of public service messages. Okay, we got that part covered. Then we go to the playoffs. We got the nine minutes left in the Cowboys-Lions uh, game. We got no flag. Pick up the flag. We're talking about that for a week. Then we go to the next round. We've got Des Bryant makes a catch that isn't a catch. So instead of talking about the game, again, we're talking about officials. Now we go to the Super Bowl, and we're talking not about the game. No, 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 no. We're talking about deflated footballs. To me, I'm waiting for Chief J. Strongbow, Roddy Piper, Andre the Giant. It feels like wrestling. Well, along those lines, Emil, this is what sports uh, is going to be, especially the ones that are the most uh, looked at and the most popular sports. And it's not necessarily the fault of the particular sport, uh, though I don't know that they would totally shun the attention. Uh, it is just the world that we live in, the media that we live in. Everything becomes a big deal. There's 15 cameras there catching every angle of everything, nothing. You can get away with nothing, and everything is cause for emphasis uh, because well, you want to carry I take umbrage with what you're saying in one days. respect, Chad. I take umbrage with one respect. They invited these people in, and I, they being the NFL. They invited mm-hmm. these people into their sport because they had a great game. It was, it was number one in the country, but it wasn't enough. They want it more, more, more saturation, okay? So now, as you say, your, your reference, TMZ. Now we're the TMZ League, okay? It's not just enough that we talk about football. I mean, we're talking about everything but football most of the time. Yeah, and they're not leaving, okay? They're here, and I think they're here to stay until or at least um, 
until the game is completely destroyed. And none of us want to see that. But um, one can only hope that this Super Bowl is not close and it and uh, and that it comes down to one particular play in the game because you know that will certainly get played up forever. It'll be marred, and they'll run that all the way until the NFL Combine, and we'll just have to listen to that. So. Um, a lot points to the game being close. Again, we don't have to make a pick on this thing until next Friday, and I haven't totally analyzed it, but um, just from off the top of my head and what I've seen and observed, it would lend itself to this being somewhat of a close football game. And, I think so. Uh, who knows what shenanigans is going to come out of it. Uh, the footballs, uh, a play, a penalty that was or wasn't, um, we're just going to have to brace ourselves for something like that going down in Super Bowl Forty Nine. Well, I think you'll always have. I think you'll always have throughout the history of sport. There's going to be arguments about officiating. I mean, that you're never getting away from that. Where I think the NFLs can do themselves a favor, and we've talked about that on previous shows, they need to go back and look at their rule book, which now resembles the U.S. tax code, and make it simpler. Mm-hmm. In other words, you've got too many rules. Okay, you've got rules to make fumbles, not fumbles, i.e., the tuck rule. You've got rules to make a catch, which is a catch, not a catch. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go back to common sense. Like when we were kids playing in the schoolyard, I'm back there throwing the ball, and I throw it, and I, you know, I, I don't, I don't make a throwing motion. I stop my throwing motion, and you hit me. It's a fumble. Okay, <laughs> it's not. Right. It's not. I right. went to tuck it. It's a fumble. Let's go back to guy catches ball, stumbling, makes three steps, and dives. We look at it in the schoolyard, and we say, yeah, Chad, you caught that. <laughs> we don't say, oh, man, you know, you didn't complete the process and make a football move. <laughs> come on. Yeah, how did that even come into – how did that even come into being? Because they said they didn't want to leave it to the officials' judgment. So they said we, they wanted to make it so stringent. In other words, here's the rule. You have no leeway to use your common sense because we don't want it to be a judgment call. So in, in essence, they make most of the game judgment calls now. Okay, you got pass interference, uh, defensive uh, uh Wait, 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 time out. Let me, let me stop you. They didn't want to make it about the officials. Um, who, is, who, who is it about now? The, well, the listen, I'm, officials. I'm telling you what they, they – do you remember a couple of years ago? We, do you remember the old face mask? Where, where if if you're if I'm running and you put your hand on my face mask, but didn't pull, it was five yards, and then all of a sudden they said enough with that already. We're just going to make any time you go to the face mask fifteen yards. So in other words, they took what to me seemed like a logical penalty. You didn't tug, tug the face mask, you got five yards. Now mm. they make it silly where no judgment, but but the calls that most affect games are all judgment pass interference calls. I don't understand the NFL. I mean, I still remember I was sitting in my living room four years ago when Calvin Johnson caught that ball in Chicago. And I just remember sitting there when they said that wasn't a catch and just shaking my head then saying, oh, my God, the guy put the ball down to to celebrate, and they're telling me that's not a catch? (laughs) Well, no, that's exactly what happened there. I don't know that that's what happened, but even if it isn't, uh, that was still – Bogus. It, I leave it to the NFL, though, to take something that we totally believe to be true and put it in doubt. Like, I don't even know what pass interference or catch is anymore. I'm not convinced that I'm – and I've been looking at this game for, uh, you know, 35 years. I don't right. even know what that stuff is anymore, thanks to the National Football League and their and their rules and uh, their rule book that you say resembles – Well, I, I keep telling you, the, the simplest system. way to fix the passing game, and, and they don't want to do it – is really go back and look at their friends in college. In college, you can touch a receiver beyond five yards as long as the ball isn't in the air. If you hit, grab them down the field, it's 15 yards. Now, what I would suggest to the NFL is let them hit the receivers beyond five yards if the ball's not thrown. We still get plenty of points scored in college. I really don't think it's going to impact the game as much as they think it will. Um, it would make it easier to officiate. Yeah, I was going to bring that up to you. Um, they don't. They they have that rule in in college football where you can maintain contact to the balls put in the air, and they have no problem putting up. No, no problem. Now you're going to say, sure, you got the best in the world, but I still don't think it's going to impact it as much as the NFL fears. And the other rule I put in, very simply, and it would be a judgment call, um, a pass interference beyond 15 yards. If it's you and me hand fighting, and you just think I arm barred you or whatever, 
it becomes a 15-yard penalty. The only way it becomes a spot foul is if it's blatant. In other words, you beat me, I turn around, and I just tackle you at the ankles and say, okay, I'm just not going to beat know. me. I don't know. I think that puts uh, more into the plate of the Okay, then just make it 15 yards. I don't like room. spot fouls. I think the maximum on pass interference should be 25 yards. I mean, if you throw a 50-yard pass into the end zone, I'll give you 25 yards. But I just don't think a guy should be able to advance a football 50 yards on a play that most of the time is is not blatant. I mean, there are some, but most of these calls you're getting are guys fighting for footballs, and they're saying you cut off his path to the football, you used an arm bar. I mean, and you're making a wild assumption by the amount of that penalty that the ball would have been caught. Well, that's exactly that ball would have been Chad. Caught. Thank you for taking the words out of my mouth. You're 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 making this huge assumption that a guy threw a football 50 yards in the air and the guy at the other end caught it. That's exactly it. Right, and even the ones where there, you can make a strong argument that the ball was not catchable, uh, thrown over a guy's head, for them to get the ball at that spot just seems a little uh, ridiculous. No, I'll give me, you 25 yards. I'll give you a little bit more than college. I'll give you a quarter of the field. You throw a 50-yard bomb down the field, I'll give you 25 yards. That, I'll give you that as a max. And that's what I think it should be in the NFL. Maybe, maybe because the college rule really gives you the incentive that when you're beat, just turn around and grab the guy. Because 15 yards is a personal foul. It's the same thing. I want it to be a little bit more painful. So if you're going to turn around and just grab the guy, it's a huge penalty. But I don't want it to be you, you get the ball in the one-yard line when you throw a ball 50 yards. I, I mean, to me, there's just so many ways we could fix this sport and make it great again. But and we still love it. We're here talking about it, but still, man, it's starting to get to the point that it's disgusting. Yeah, go, let's let's uh, ask this final thing before we head on to the break. If it is found out that the footballs were indeed deflated and that uh, Belichick and or Brady had knowledge of this beforehand, or even uh, you know ordered for this to be done, what should be the penalty for doing this? I think the Super Bowl should be called off, the Patriots should be removed from it, and the Packers should show up and have a steel cage match with the Seahawks to determine who was really better that day. Okay, when you put the drink down and you get orange juice to substitute for the hard liquor you've obviously swallowed this morning, let's talk. Let me ask this question again. And then on a serious note, let's say we find out after the Super Bowl, because we're not going to know anything at all about this uh, before the Super Bowl. A, because I don't know that they got enough time to find out. Uh, you don't have enough time to bring in some German shepherds and have them bark in the face of those trainers. Um, and then I think if anything is found out by the National Football League, I think they will willfully, willfully um, not reveal anything. It's not going to be revealed before the Super Bowl. I think you're 100%. If, serious there's answer. no way they're doing that. What would I? Are you asking me what do I think would be appropriate if, if what do you say think you, the penalty should be if we find if it's out determined after the Super Bowl? that that the Patriots willfully did this? And believe me, mm. by the way, folks, no trainer, no athletic guy did this on his own. No matter what they're trying to insinuate, those guys there would be no reason, no way, at all, no motivation, no motivation. They take their direction on the ball from the quarterback, okay? And he probably tips them to make sure they're you know kept the right way. It's just that's the nature of of sport, okay? So that said, I think Belichick should be suspended one year, just like Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. I think they should lose a couple draft picks. And I do believe if it's if it's found that Brady was a part of it, he should get a four-game suspension. Okay, that's interesting. But I think it's got hey, to be more than... How about we take away some victories from the New England Patriots? You know, I'm not into that. Bowl, let's, act like, let's act like that didn't happen. No, uh, let's say, I'm let's not take into away that. I don't trophy. think... How about that? I don't, you know that. I mean, it's like telling me I saw a car accident and I'm not going to, it wasn't really an accident. Just rewind my brain. I mean, it happened. You're playing the games. You know, they could have stopped the game. The Colts could have jumped up and down in the middle of the game and said, we just picked off this pass. We want this ball checked for air pressure because it feels soft. I mean, obviously, they didn't do that. Here's my thing. I think once it happened, it happened. But I want to impact them going forward so they don't get the desire to ever, ever think about breaking rules again. And the only way to do that is to say, okay, Belichick, you're in charge of this operation. You make draft picks. You're in charge of everything. You're out a year, just like Sean Payton. You lose a first and a second round pick. That really hurts you going forward. And if your quarterback told him to do it, he loses four games next year. There's only one penalty that I think would be just here, Emil, and that is, I think, for the entirety of the 2015 season, 
Tom Brady should be forced to throw a football that is inflated to 20 PSI so it feels like he's throwing the stomach of a pregnant woman. Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. During the break, uh, Amo, I told you, you know, look, going to the break, I said, let's inflate that thing to 20 PSI and have them throw that around all yeah. year. Perhaps we uh, rub some Johnson's and Johnson's baby oil on it. And your response to that was what? Oh, he'd find a way to complete passes. You know that. I can't say what I actually wrote. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. You do that to the New England Patriots and Tom Brady, and I'm going to tell you they're probably going to spray down all the receivers, including the left tackle, who's, who's a big-time receiver now, with all of the sticky stuff you can have. You're not going to out-cheat these cheaters, okay? I think they'd get turned on by something like that being done. Oh, they'd them. love it. Uh, and they'd, they'd probably turn around and show the league, this is how you really do it. Um, and come back at them like that. As I said before, I made mention of this. You know, you've got your Super Bowl props. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be coming out with more and more stuff. There are some already released, and these uh, I'm getting from Bovada.com, one of the top online sports books. Uh, let me roll through a few of these, and we'll discuss them more both on Monday and Friday of next week. Uh, but here's what we have. This is a typical one that you're going to get. The uh, singer of the national anthem will be uh, Dina Menzel. Uh, and they're asking how long will it take uh, Miss Menzel to sing the U.S. National Anthem. Uh, they're saying over two minutes. 
catching minus 130, odds under two minutes, minus 110. Um, what minus two minutes mean she forgot some of the words or something? Or or maybe she just likes carrying notes. Who who knows? I'd like to know how long uh, Whitney Houston's singing of the National Anthem. Well, perhaps one of the most um, – Oh, I thought you were going to say you'd like to see Whitney Houston sing the national anthem. I was going to say, well, that would be quite amazing. I am in in touch with what's going on around me to a certain level to the grin. Realize that that can't happen. Um, Here's the odds on Marshawn Lynch being fined by the NFL for any incident on media day. On media day. Um, Plus 400 for yes, minus 600 for no. Um, they've been kind of light on him with regards to uh, the uh, the responses he's been given, um, if you could call him that, to the questions on uh, media day. Um, that's going to be like torture for him. You think there's a bit of a personality? Yeah, but how do you find somebody? You can't find somebody for responding. I mean, in other words, like if you ask me a question and I say, yeah, I mean, what, what are yeah, you going to well, do? Clearly, clearly he knows that, and he's exploited yeah. that uh that bit of a loophole in the rule there. He's just really made a mockery of it. He's actually made himself famous for being, um, you know, withdrawn from the media. And uh, he's made quite a name for himself. Because I think if you just gave him an actual interview and he was giving the same, um, you know, boring answers to, to the questions that they're proposing to him, it wouldn't really be as uh, fanatic as it is now. I think he's he's making a living off of... Uh, these answers, they're they're making up. Oh yeah, he loves it now. One word answers, and it's awesome for him. You know, I'm thankful, and uh, thanks for asking. Has been coming out of the mouths of people all over the place. Um, will Marshawn Lynch grab his crotch after scoring a TD in the game? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I like the odds on this one, man. You know, uh, plus four hundred for yes, uh, minus six hundred for. For no, I don't know. I guess I do. Well, like first it. you need him to score yeah. a TD. Here's the problem with that. First you need him to score a TD. So, so you know, he might not score. Hold on, Emil. If 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 the Seahawks are going to score touchdowns in this Super Bowl, yeah, I understand where you're going with that. He yeah. scored. Yeah. I don't see Baldwin catching a bunch of those. So um, he's going to have to get in the end zone. I think it would really boil down to in what way he gets in the end zone. If it's a two yard plunge into the end zone. Uh, I don't think we're going to get that. You know what, though? That would be impressive. A man grabbing his balls and bowling someone over at the same time for for a two-yard touchdown. I would be more (laughs) impressed with that. (laughs) (laughs) If a guy could grab his crotch, hold on to the ball, and run somebody over, that would be impressive. He would be the guy. He he would be the guy to do that. However, however, you know, once these things start happening, you start running into a situation where you feel – the need to outdo what was done. I really feel like if we get a two-yard plunge touchdown from Marshawn Lynch, we're not going to have the crotch grab, but damn it, man, if he shoves nine guys to the ground and weaves his way through the defense, I think it will be an involuntary reaction to entering the end zone. What if he he did a T.O. and he pulled a pen out and signed his own crotch? (laughs) Uh, Game over. I think... I think it would be appropriate in that sense to have a blackout at that Super Bowl. Um, that would that would seem appropriate. That nipple, uh, that nipple that, that they got shown by by what was it, Britney Spears a few years ago? Was it her? Who no, did? It was, oh, it was Janet it, Jackson. It was Janet right. Jackson. But that I don't, don't seem like nothing when this Britney. guy's done. That's, that's, <laughs> oh man, Emil, um, it just seems like there's no way in hell that we will not have some controversy at this Super Bowl. There's just no way in hell. No, I think, I just, I think in, we're doing Given the world we're living in and the course that we have followed during this 2014 NFL season, given the way it started, given the way the offseason went, and given the way that the season has flowed, there has to be a grand finale like fireworks at the July 4th. Something just really great and outrageous needs, is going to happen in this Super Bowl. Is there any way around that? There's no way. Uh, I, th- I think it's going to be a disappointment if, if it doesn't. Yeah, so, I mean... I'm looking uh, forward to one it. Of your props. <laughs> me, me too. I think I think we're going to have a large portion of the viewership um, tuning in just for that. What amazing thing is going to happen in the Super Bowl, having nothing to do with the moving of the ball, the ball into either end zone, is going to happen in this game? You know how you have the pin when you inflate a football or a basketball. You know the pin mm-hmm. that you put in there and you pump it. Mm-hmm. What if Marshawn Lynch scores, grabs his nutsack? And Brady runs over and shoves a ball pin in it to deflate it. 
man, then we don't. Then this is no longer football anymore. It's no longer a sport that you know the Titans, uh, the the Titan fans. Of After the taking really off a short training. black jacket that he's wearing on the sidelines, picked out for him by his wife Giselle Bunsen. Amo, <laughs> hey, let's take a look at where this thing has gone, man. It started off in the draft with the whole Michael Sam saga. It moved into an off-season of Ray Rice knocking out his fiance at the time. It moved into what was the other big incident that we had? It was uh, it was Adrian Peterson. Oh yeah. And it's just it's just everything that has gone on, and we've gone from the whole Michael Sam thing to uh, um, squeezable balls, um, Nerf footballs in the semifinal game. It, there's just no way we don't have anything. Um, big time happened in this Super Bowl. I think that should probably be one of the props, don't you think? Well, yeah, I mean, it probably should be, but I think it's actually, as, as much as I'm having some fun here with you, I think it's actually a shame that the sports come to this where, you know, we've always had off-field stuff, and there's always been stuff to talk about off the field. Obviously, we've done this, and, you know, our off-seasons are never boring, but when you're in the middle of the season, I would think that most of your focus should be around what's happening on the field, and it just seems to be going completely in the other direction. Yeah. Here's here's an interesting prop bet. Um, what color will Bill Belichick's hoodie be? And the reason I think that is an interesting um, prop bet is at what point are they going to shut down the wagering on this thing? I mean, isn't it possible for a person to get some inside information on that? Don't you think? Yeah, maybe. Hey, Bill, Bill, what kind of hoodie are you wearing today? Blue, red, white? Uh, Bill, uh, are I you going to cut the listen, sleeves off? Enough, I think this could be the most tainted prop here, uh, quite honestly. I think if you're a member of anyone on that New England Patriots staff, and depending on how much they want to have going with the bets on this thing, a trainer, a little peon, um, could see Belichick with the hoodie on or, or or in his person ready to put on and somehow get that information to someone outside who can place a rather substantial bet on it, don't you think? This is one that can be manipulated. I think prop bets are limited, though, in Vegas to like 5000 which for them is a chump change. I, I think you can't put much more than five or ten grand on a prop bet, which I know that sounds like a lot to the rest of us, but uh, for, in Vegas that's not big money. Um, yeah, so well, you know, you can't you can't have that happen by one specific player. Is what you're telling me, um, right? In other words, you you, you can go put five thousand dollars down on a on a prop bet at every sports book that's offering said prop bet. Sure, you could do that, but at one specific sports book, I think it's like five or ten. There's some sort of limit because they are they're prop bets. I mean, they don't want to lose. How about their shirt. this scenario? How about this scenario right here? Uh, Trainer tells friend, friend has uh, a bunch of followers on Twitter, tweets this out with enough time to make that prop bet. Um, I'm going to guess, just just in the nature of these guys in Vegas, I mean, remember, last week they set the over-unders that went off at game time at 52 and 44 on those two games. Mm-hmm. Basically, that was what mm-hmm. the you know most of the numbers were. And they nailed the over/under, uh, except for the overtime. I mean, they had, the the games were exactly on the over/under. That's how good these guys are. I'm gonna guess they monitor social media. Uh, man. Well, uh, I mean, how do you find how do you find that one? I got. That's. I'm just be, saying. That's I'm gonna, gonna guess that. That's that's one I'm gonna keep my eye on there because that that one seems to be the rest of these. Um, you have really no there's there's really no way to be. To, to to get the information beforehand. This is the only one I see where you could possibly have information of that. Beforehand. I have a serious question for you. Do you think that the NFL tells Belichick before games like this, Bill, wear whatever you want, but make sure you don't cut the sleeves off and look like you live under a bridge? Or like you're training with Sylvester Stallone to go fight Apollo Creed coming up in a right. week or two. That's what it that's what it looks like. He yeah, looks like I Nick, mean, for crying out loud. You know, so um, I mean, the guy's but, got access to anything he wants, and he comes up in some of these games with that, with that thing around his ears that you that 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 looks like something a girl wears. I mean, I mean, even up here in the north, I've never tried one of those those things that go around your head like that. Okay, and then he has his sleeves cut off, a sweatshirt. I mean, I don't know what he looks like. This is his uh, this is his business attire, man. That's have that's, you seen uh, his wife, by the way? 
Have you seen his wife? I I have not. She a knockout or a knockout? Oh, yeah. What is, what, what yeah, she's probably in her yeah. early 50s, but I mean, you know, check check out some of these, what are they called, memes or whatever you call them, where they make jokes and people write them. There's one mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. I won't deflate them for you, Tom, and it's a picture of him standing there with his wife and, you know, Oh, well, rather, well, they're very quick on the internet with that stuff. But hey, yes. the victors go the spoils. Uh, for those interested, uh, the gray hoodie is minus two hundred, blue plus one seventy five, and if you guess red, uh, you got a nice payday coming because that's plus seven hundred at Bovada. For those of you interested in such uh, such things, all right, uh, let's slide into a bit of a, a different topic here: college football recruiting. Uh, Emil, you would be classified as uh, as your, your typical fan, though you have a lot more knowledge and insight and intuition than you know. I'm not going to make you out to be the common Joe Blow, you know, fan, but you do represent that segment. How Absolutely. much do you? Yeah. How much do you follow recruiting? How important is it to you? And then, um, how much is it for friends of yours? Is it is it reaching the Penn State people pitch, up here Canada follow pretty good. Penn State, Notre Dame mm-hmm. people follow pretty good, the ones that I would consider football fans. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how much stock do I put in? Well, I follow it because, let's face it, I love football, and there's really nothing to follow once college is over at the beginning of the month, so I like that that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not naive. I mean, you've got to have players to win. I mean, I understand they don't all have to be five stars, but you've got to get guys to fit what you're trying to do. So I try to figure out what my team, USC, is trying to do and take mm-hmm. notice if they're getting guys that I think can do it. So, yeah, I follow, mm-hmm. and I put some stock in it. Yeah, it matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it does. And, and, you know, it seems to be more and more, for, uh, you know, it's getting more and more fanatical. I'm seeing more and more messages being uh, sent to people, uh, as fans telling them not to tweet um, to, to players. Uh, I'm seeing more players. Uh, attacked when they do make their final college decision, or not necessarily their final college decision, or but when they uh, decide to decommit from a school and change, you're seeing the attacks come in there. Um, how well, can I say this? Here, here's where I think up. recruiting matters, especially now with the playoff. People love to point to the Boise states of the world that will go 11-2 and two or 12-2 and two with a bunch of two- and three-star recruits that fit what they're trying to do. That's all well and good if you play in the Mountain West Conference. It's also well and good if you're going to pull a one-off game and beat Arizona in a bowl game from the Pac-12. You can do that. Mm-hmm. To play in a major conference, especially right now the SEC, the Pac-12, you've got to have mm-hmm. the horses. Now, granted, you've got to coach mm-hmm. them up. They've got to get better when they're there. But you're not going to win those conferences, and you're certainly not going to win that playoff. As the last three games being conference championship game and two playoff games. You've got, as Urban Meyer said, you've got three heavyweight prize fights. You're not going to win that without the horses. You're just not. Right, right. And that's uh, what I yeah, feel. Yeah, you've got to have depth and all that. Yeah, yeah you've no got to have guys. You've got to have big-time players. Yeah, there's no question about it. That's uh, it's It's – you know, you've got to have some coaching, obviously. Coaching is going to get you all to that mountaintop – but you're not getting anywhere without without players. So, um, well, take an Alabama know. for instance. I'm going to venture when you look at their schedule. Okay, when it comes out every year, they have seven of the twelve games. I'm going to say most years, sometimes eight. They could win if you picked up the headset and coach, just because their players are that much. And I'm not. That's not saying you're not a good coach. What I'm saying is, their players are so much better than the other team. It's the four games where the talent is pretty close that coaching matters in college at the big schools. That's the way I've always felt. I felt like, the, you know, the brand name schools, when they're at full complement of players and all that good stuff, they can just win on recruiting about two-thirds of the time because they just have flat-out better players. But there's four games yeah. a year where they're playing somebody that's close, and then now with the playoff there's going to be six or seven where the coaching matters. That's kind of, kind of how I feel. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously, you know, when the teams that are playing at the end of this thing are going to have, uh, obviously, the best talent, and then now how do you separate the two teams? And then, it's, you know, it's just going to come down to the whole coaching aspect. So, But I'm seeing more and more staffs able being constructed with uh, only recruiting in mind, and I think that's a mistake. You know, I'm seeing 
you know, coaches being hired to coach positions simply because they happen to be a strong recruiter in a certain area in which they feel like they need someone there. And that just means that the players that are currently on the roster at that position are not going to get the most out of uh, their, their, their coach. I think it's not, a huge mistake because not, I think at the end of the day you're going to have one or two days a year where you, where you feel good about yourself, and that's going to be signing day and maybe the day after when everybody tells you how great you are. Uh, and then, yeah, and, you, yeah. you know, I mean, you got to have coaching. I mean, I, I don't mean to give you the impression that I think uh, coaching doesn't matter. I think it matters a lot. I'm just saying, I, I, I think you, you know, I think they're, they go hand in hand. You need to do both. You could have a great coach, but if you can't recruit, guess what? It's going to be tough to win the big games. It's another thing that's going on. You know, we've uh, we obviously have sung the praises of Charlie Strong. We both think he's a very good coach. We both think that he's going to do really good things at Texas. But right now in this recruiting cycle, he is branching out um, of the Texas state of Texas more than uh, Mac Brown and certainly anyone else before him to try and grab recruits. And initially he was successful in obtaining commitments, but now he's getting a good amount of decommitments from his class from the players that are outside of Texas. What do you What do you make of that? I, without really being in tune with Texas recruiting as much as I am my own team, I don't know what to make of it other than kids are fickle. You know, things happen. I mean, maybe he's telling them things that – maybe he's being too honest. I, I, mean, I hate to say that because mm-hmm. you should be honest, but – you know, mm-hmm. I'm. You know, kids are funny anymore. It's a different. It's a lot different today. Kids are smarter in that they're exposed to more earlier. Um, they they have the internet, which we never had, which allows them to make themselves smarter if they use it the right way and get information. Um, they're also impatient, which is mm-hmm. is not always a good thing. So you know, he may be telling them, "Hey, you know, this is going to be this is the way we're doing things," and he may be laying it out like a, a drill sergeant in the Marine Corps. And, you know, maybe they don't like it. I don't know. I'm wondering if it's kids not yet feeling comfortable from out of the area coming into Texas and competing against kids from Texas. And I don't mean because they feel like they will be less skilled or less athletic or anything from that standpoint. Just feeling like, can I defeat the politics of the state of Texas? If if mm, if Charlie Strong is bringing in uh, players from a well-known powerhouse high school in Texas, can he afford to play me ahead of the recruit from that powerhouse school in Texas and possibly lose that pipeline? That could possibly be a problem there for, for Charlie Strong as he tries to branch out. That has to cross your mind, Amos. Well, yes. I mean, what you're saying is a valid concern, and it's certainly something that's possible. But, I mean, look at other schools that have pipelines. I mean, look at Southern Cal. I mean, they've got pipelines to Long Beach, uh, Poly, and Gardenia, a couple other schools out there. They bring but it's in kids Texas, are- man, and you know how they are in Texas about their high school football. I'm not saying high school football is is played the best in Texas, although one could make that argument. But it's hard to argue that the passion for high school football in Texas is greater anywhere else than in Texas. And I would have to think borders on sickness if you want to be... you want to know the truth. I mean, oh yeah, it's, it's yeah, it is. It, there's a bit of an illness, I, and I don't mean that in the in the in the worst of ways. I guess there's worst things that you could do, but um, I would have to think high school coaches there would have to be more sensitive per se than in the L.A. area or in the Miami yeah. area. Well, there's more like you if, always if, say if when there's when there's more in... going on, people are you know there's a lot going on. Even though you guys have some great high school football probably the best in my mm-hmm. opinion in south florida mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but and then you know i put southern california as the second best and you know those but there's play, things going on there i mean in some of these towns in texas they shut down mm-hmm. the town on friday night because everybody's at the game yeah so mm-hmm. i mean what would be the ramifications and the impact um for for bringing in a kid from michigan or bringing in a kid from ohio and florida and he is uh, somehow playing ahead of the kid from uh, Allen High School, which is a, a big-name high school down there. I mean, can Charlie Strong continue now to go over and to Allen High School and try and pull the top players out of that school in his backyard um, and try and, and, and tell the coach, who's probably hearing from the kid who's second on the depth chart, hey, man, they're bringing this kid in from Florida, and I'm, I'm better than this kid. Can you go in now 
and expect that high school coach to encourage his kids to send them to Charlie Strong in Texas, that's a real-life problem. Well, it is. I, I mean, you may – I mean, I'm not saying – I'm not poo-pooing it saying that I don't think it happens. I mean, I'm sure it's a problem, or could be. But I also think you might be giving them a little too much credit. I just, I just think, you know, recruiting is a funny game. And he's only in his second year there, so he, he hasn't established himself as, as the face of Texas football yet. Um, and he just may be seeing a, a rough patch. I think when he gets it going there, he'll be just fine. He, you know, he needs to have some success on the field. Right now, people are able to go in there and say, you know what? They stink. They're six and seven. You know, they're, they're, they haven't been good for a while now. You know, they're, 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 they have a losing record. They're, they're getting blown out. In, in big games, not just beaten. TCU killed him. Arkansas killed him in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. I think he, you know people are recruiting against him that way. I mean, I'm not saying what what you're su- suggesting isn't part of it, but I think it's a it's a perfect storm for him right now. In that he's getting the stuff you're talking about. Um, he's getting coaches going in and saying, "Yeah, where's Texas going? You know, I mean, do you really right. you really want right. to leave Florida and go to Texas? Where are they going? You know." Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a certain amount of uh, negative recruiting that he could be subjected to, and and yeah, win, winning, as we all know, can cure a lot of. I mean, look at kids. Look at kids. Way. You see this all the time. I mean, you see it with you know, you're close with your sons. You follow his team. You, you're involved in it uh, in your business. I mean, yesterday I'm reading an article. A, a kid at SC this year he comes in as a freshman, four star type of player. Mm-hmm. Smallish kid, you know, 5'11", 165, fast guy, receiver corner coming in. Put him on, redshirt him this year, put him at corner in practice. He's leaving the program, going to community college. And then they're saying that they hear his, his final destination is UNLV. And rumors out there from different, I mean, I'm reading this from several different sources, the rumors out there are, you know, he felt, he looked at the depth chart and said, look what they have at wide receiver, look who's coming in. Adoree's playing on on both sides of the ball, and then he's looking at corner. Look, look who may be coming in. Look what they got there. Uh, I don't want to compete for a spot. I mean, that's just kids today. Mm. Yeah, I'll go to uh, UNLV I'll... and play. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's 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 what's happening before them too. I mean, we could quickly jump on the generation <laughs> and say. Um, I'm sorry, man. I just was scrolling through my timeline here, and I saw a picture of Tom Brady crying, and it says, I like small balls, and I cannot lie. This is just not going to end, Emil. It's not going to end. Hey, what did you what did you think All about right. Belichick's wife? I sent you the picture. Not bad, right, I for a guy like him? Uh, pretty impressive. For, for Pretty you know, impressive when you look at Bill. I mean, if you took Bill standalone, and I didn't tell you he was worth $50 million, or whatever the hell he's worth, you'd say, man, yeah, he really outkicked his coverage. Yeah, nice catch for a gray hoodie wearing, uh, yeah. you know, cut off sleeve wearing guy. Yeah. Um, all right, but staying on what I'm talking about here, it's what's happening in front of them. They're seeing guys getting to the NFL uh, from virtually anywhere in terms of uh, programs. It's no longer we just get guys from Ohio State and Michigan uh, and Texas and the University of Miami. It's not like that anymore. They'll pull kids from uh, Division two and three schools and smaller FCS schools and things of that nature. And I think they're starting to realize in this climate that the biggest seller of your wares uh, and your ability to play at the next level is indeed video of you playing the game. So if it looks early on and quickly like you're not going to be able to cut it or you might end up in a fight here on the depth chart and lose and have to sit a year or two, um, it may be in your best interest to take a step down um, take what you learned from that year or two at the top program and put it to work at a place where you could play too. I'm not sure know, I always agree with that unless you've got special talent. I mean, and most kids don't necessarily. They I all think, think you they've get, got special talent. I, well, I know what they, they think, but think. what I'm saying is I think you always get better practicing and hopefully playing against better competition. And, you know, I can take a look at a guy like, uh, you know, in my case of my team and everybody out there has their own team, you know, I'm sure you all have an example. Mm-hmm. Josh Shaw. I mean, Josh Shaw sat out ten games this year, eight, nine games. He comes mm-hmm. back, plays a few games. Um, he's practicing with these guys. He spent four years practicing against really good talent. He goes to the Senior Bowl, and mm-hmm. this week they're saying Josh Shaw is hitting a home run at the Senior Bowl practices. I'm hearing that about a lot of guys. So um, I but understand, but I, all I'm trying to say is, is I I think it helps to play against better. I mean, I think you're you're going to make yourself a better football player, generally speaking. 
if you're every day practicing at Florida or mm-hmm. you know LSU or whatever, then you are if you're at a pick a school, you know, um, UNLV. I mean, you know, they're they're yeah. two and ten for a reason. I <laughs> mean. I think it's tough for those kids to sit uh, in this day and age. I think it really is tough for them to sit. And while what you're saying may be true um, and likely is, the the what, what they have in their mind is that getting drafted by the NFL, that seems to be the end point of what they have in mind, um, getting drafted, and they are not necessarily thinking about their ability to actually make an NFL team or to establish a – a long-standing or sustainable career in the NFL. I think the end goal is just how can I get drafted, um, and and that. Well, they see it as a lottery game. ticket. Never they mind. think if they get drafted, they're going to be wealthy, and that's not necessarily the case anymore with the way the league has, you know, they're basically sure kept spend money like they're wealthy. That's for sure. That first contract's going to be destroyed. Destroyed. Right, and most of these guys now, if you look at the way they've capped the rookie contracts, basically by slotting them. They're not getting rich if they're picked beyond the second round. Yeah, and I dare say, too, that that may be also another reason why some of these guys feel like it's okay to come out early, even though they don't get a high grade. Um, When teams don't have to invest as much anymore into their rookies, um, don't you feel like it gives – an opportunity to the undrafted guys a little bit better because I'm, you know, I'm here to tell you from experience, um, a lot of roster moves are not necessarily made by what's actually happening on the field. A lot of roster moves are made by the financials of it. So you cut a guy um, who you gave a $15,000 signing bonus to, as opposed to cutting a guy who may not be as good as this other guy, but you gave him $750,000 up front. Right. I understand. No, I understand. So, I, I mean, mean, the fact that the rookie, the fact that the rookie salaries are lower now, um, I think probably gives a better chance to the undrafted free agents because now you can, well, you know, maybe make a crazy move with a third or fourth rounder where you couldn't have made that before because they're getting they got more money off the top. No, I mean that's that's actually a very valid point. I I think ultimately, you know. All those things are valid. At the end of the day, it comes down to if you can play and and make a difference. I mean, if it's close, what you're saying is 100%. If it's close and they say, listen, this guy's slightly better, but we gave him 15 grand, we gave the other guy a million bucks, they're keeping the guy with, you know, that that that's simple business. We're keeping the guy we paid the million bucks to and hope we can recoup our investment. But I think if it's if it's a slam dunk, the guy who makes, you know, 15 grand signing bonus is a first, you know, might make the Pro Bowl next year. Um, he's mm-hmm. playing because the NFL. There are only a handful of teams, though, Emil. I think that engage in that practice and do it comfortably. Others, it becomes a very difficult thing for them to do. I know the uh, Green Bay Packers have done a really good job of retaining um, undrafted free agents. They tend to keep those guys more. Uh, they tend to promote guys from the practice squad more. They tend to, you know, promote and build from within their roster rather than. Um, going out and grabbing guys, and I think, and 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 your boy Pete Carroll is very good at that as well. Um, he will, uh, you know, invest heavily in terms of time and development in uh, undrafted free agents and low round draft picks. I, I think that's probably the strategy of a lot of your teams that are successful in the NFL. Well, I think here's how you have to look at that. If you're running a team, if I get you for fifteen grand. And I missed on a guy that I paid a million. I've just got to look at it like I swapped you for him. So what's the difference? I only added fifteen thousand dollars of cost. Because who cares where I got the guy? I mean, if I found a guy on the street and no one else was smart enough to take him, including me, but I got him to play for me, what's the difference if if I got him on the street and I drafted someone in the first round and missed? Either way, I got the right guy. Yeah, um, true. At the end of the day, what I need to win in this league are guys that can make plays for me. Um, that's the bottom line on it. So um, you do also have to have some kind of balance with your books as well. You can't you can't miss a whole lot on your high round draft picks. No one's going anywhere if you if you keep missing. No, I mean if you well, let's face it, you miss on a lot of the top three picks, first, second, and third round. You're not going to be very good. Yeah, your ship's going to take on water. There's no there's no uh, doubt about that. So. Um, but I think that's part of what's fueling 
uh, some of these guys leaving early. You know, part of it is that the young guys coming in behind them are snatching more and more playing time, so they feel forced out. And another part of it is that they're seeing free agents and low-round draft picks not only make teams but but have an impact, and they feel like if this guy can do it, then, you know, why can't I? And I think um, guys leaving early is just something that's that's really here to stay. I think that number is just going to keep going up. We had 101 last year. I don't know it went down this year, but now. it's still high. Have we passed the deadline? Yeah, we went down. We went to 74 this year. Uh, all right, and last year we had 101, but I think that number is just going to continue to stay high. I wouldn't. It's be going to be high because guys they they don't evaluate themselves properly and they get bad advice. What you're saying is sure these undrafted free agents do make teams, but still by and large that's not that's not the majority of guys making a difference in the league. No, not the way to go. But all these guys need is a little bit of a a glimmer of hope. And they're gonna take they're gonna take the money and run. They don't want to be in school. A lot of them anyway. So why not uh, start my career as a football player? So, Damn so, classes. Um, yeah, you know who this stuff getting in the way. <laughs> what am I? What are we doing this for? So that's what you got. Well, all right, man. That's it for our Friday edition. Just an hour here at you. Uh, Monday we're gonna get back into this thing. We're gonna talk a little bit more Super Bowl and if you know any controversy sh- should come up over the weekend or we do find out who indeed deflated some footballs, then we'll have a bunch uh, to talk about on Monday. As it and stands, guys, maintain tight control football. of your balls this weekend. Don't let anybody yeah, tamper with them. Know, yes, also know the inflation level of uh, your balls. You always want to be in control of that. And I, you know, I mean that earnestly. If you're not in control of your balls, you're not in control of your life. Uh, that has been today's public service announcement from the Gridiron Stud Show. <laughs> for Emil Calamino, <laughs> I'm Chad Wilson. Thank you for listening to this show today. We thank you for being a loyal listener, and we uh, ask that you not only continue to listen, but bring some friends. We are a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. We'd like to thank you for that. Enjoy your weekend. See us back here, same bat time, same bat channel on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.